All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis. The show is zero qualifications, zero credentials, and literally zero energy left in my body. I, I, I'll tell you right now, folks, this may be, uh, we're flagging. We are flagging right now. I got some, I got some caffeine here on my left, but uh, also, boy, I'll tell you what, since the last time we talked, I have worked every single day. I mean, every single day for uh, eight hours each day, but there's an unpaid lunch in there, so I've been out for nine hours a day, busting my ass at work, and your boy is, I mean, just dead inside. I am, I'm dying. Um, I am possibly dead when you're listening to this, uh, but we gotta, we gotta power through here, folks. It is, ooh, it is, it is a college football episode, maybe one of the more low energy episodes of uh, the the unqualified analysis college football edition, but you know what? We got some good football. Ooh, excuse me, got some good football this weekend. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll get into it as we go on more and more. But for right now, we just got to keep it keep it at cruising altitude here because uh, your boy's dying. Your your boy is just actively dying. Six straight days of work. I need an off day. Um, I digress on that front though. Let's just let's just hop straight into it. But before we do. Quick moment of silence for Kurt Cousins' Achilles. All right, we're done there, and uh, yep, Viking season might be dead, but we'll save that for the NFL episode for now. Let's hop into the college football game, shall we? Yeah, that uh, that Kirk Cousins injury—that's a bummer. That's that's a real bummer right there. That's uh, that really took a big old fat piss in my Cheerios. I'll tell you what, but uh, hey, either way. Talking about college football, and let's just start with the biggest upset of the day, because we had a couple here on this fine Saturday of college football. Oklahoma went into uh, Kansas, uh, expected to get a win, uh, favored by multiple touchdowns, and what do they do? You cannot overlook the Jayhawks. Kansas comes from behind on the final possession, uh, within the final minute, gets the go-ahead TD, wins this one. 38 to 33. Also, coincidentally, cashed the over on that final TD, so your boy was hyped to see that. This is why we did not bet in the game, though, folks. It was, uh, well, you just can't, you can't underestimate the Jayhawks, man. Oklahoma found that out the hard way. Would love to see that guy named Lance Leipold down there at Mississippi State, but we'll get to, we'll get to that here in, uh, uh about an hour or so. Towards the end of the episode, I'll save you all the Homer takes for uh, uh, for the very end for the people that have stuck around long enough to hear them. Uh, I digress on that front. What a win by Kansas. Who would have thought just three, four years ago, looking at what Kansas football was getting one, two, three wins a year, uh, would go would host Oklahoma, number six team in the country. And beat them on their own. I mean, whether it be on the road, at home, doesn't matter. The fact that Kansas beat Oklahoma uh, should tell you everything you need to know about the job Lance Leipold's done at Kansas. What a just turnaround job for the ages he has done. Uh, something that I would say probably 95 plus percent of the coaches in America could not accomplish, uh, would not be in the position to accomplish, quite frankly. Uh, for him to do this at Kansas, I don't know if people. I mean, if you've been watching college football long enough, you understand how big of a deal this is and how basically impossible the job that Lance Leipold has done there uh, has been. 
Uh, but to do it, not only to do it, but to not have Jalen Daniels in there to basically be, I mean, through most of the season, just be rolling with with uh, Jason Bean. You're 6-2 and two now. You just beat Oklahoma, and you are right in the thick of things with the Big 12 title race. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Hats off to the Kansas Jayhawks, man. Hats off to Lance Leipold in particular. Um, enjoy this season. Just If you're a Kansas fan, you got to live in the moment, man. You can't be looking too far in the future because I will be absolutely shocked if Lance Leipold comes back to Kansas next year. Absolutely shocked. Mississippi State will not be the only one making that call, I assure you. Uh, again, we'll get to that when we get to that, though. I, the SEC is going to have some openings. We'll just say that right now, a little foreshadowing. Uh, on the Oklahoma side of things, though, what an absolutely embarrassing loss for uh, for for Brent Venables in Oklahoma here. They were doing so well up until this point. Dylan Gabriel was playing out of his mind in the Heisman race uh, up until this point, and then they just come out here lay an lay an egg. Credit to Tawi Walker did go for 146 in the touchdown, so credit where it's due there. But the rest of that Oklahoma offense. Just looked stagnant. Outside of that second quarter where they scored 21, it was zero in the first, six in the third, six in the fourth. They just could not get it going at any point here outside of that second quarter where they came back and took the lead before halftime. I mean, this Oklahoma team, obviously still one of the top two in, in the Big 12 right now, but they put themselves in quite a quite a, quite a precarious situation here going into the backstretch of the, of the season. And they have got some tough games coming up, man. Oklahoma State, who we're going to talk about here in, oh, I don't know, a, a good bit. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and, and see on them in a little bit. But they are playing out of their minds. Mike Gundy has full sail turned the, the ship around and got them right in the thick of the, of the Big 12 championship hunt. Oklahoma has got some games down the stretch that were, they could very easily pick up another loss not even find themselves in the conference championship. Uh, important to keep in mind that they were a 5-7 and seven team last year. I mean, did, not a good team at all last year, and they are now 7-1 and one this time around. So, hey, doing a good job over there, if nothing else. It got, got, got the program moving in the right direction. Um, defense is getting better, all that sort of stuff. They're, they're kind of trending in the, in the direction you want them to trend uh, going into the SEC, but this is a game that they really, well, definitely should not have lost, really is a, it's a critical game that I think they're going to want back at the end of the season because they can they can find a loss here in in uh, November uh, going into the, the Big 12 championship run here. Really just November is going to be, it's going to be crucial for them. It's going to be crucial for everyone. Um, this is a, this is a team that really should be in the Big 12 title. I don't know if they will be though. It's, it's going to be a tough, Tough schedule down the stretch. I mean, let's let's look at who they got in particular. I mean, just coming up this week, they got Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State too. Very easily could be a loss there. I would imagine that that line is going to be in the single digits. That's going to be a dandy of a matchup there. Uh, West Virginia, better than we expected this year. They should win that, but they should have won against Kansas too. So you can never uh, you can never really just take that for granted. Uh, BYU. They're, they're, they should be BYU. They're at BYU, though, so, I mean, you gotta got to, you know, take into account they're going over a couple times, really just one time zone over in the mountain time. They're going up to elevation. No guarantee there as well. TCU, another game they should win, but TCU has been frisky at times this year. They've, they've got the offense kind of rolling a little bit more uh, than we might have anticipated. Um 
by the way that the, the season started. So, I mean, there's really this week is probably going to tell the tale. This week and next week are probably going to tell the tale of uh, what Oklahoma's late season is going to look like. Um, they still got everything they want in front of them. Still, if they went out, win the Big 12, they probably end up making the playoff. But, I mean, you just can't take that for granted at this point. They are um, very precarious situation after this loss. People were taking some victory laps. Oklahoma fans were dejected. Um, you, you love to see both, quite frankly. It's part of what makes college football so great, so awesome of a sport. Man, I cannot wait for that Bedlam game next week. That is going to be an absolute dandy. The final chapter in that rivalry for, I would imagine, quite some time, given that Oklahoma is moving over to the SEC. And... Uh, Feels like this is going to be a banger of a chapter to end on, folks. I am looking forward to seeing how that one turns out. Uh, let's just kind of go down the list of ranked teams, though, and uh, what we learned. Uh, first off, Georgia uh, went into Jacksonville, largest uh, outdoor cocktail party in the world, America, whatever the hell they call it over there, whatever they brand it. It's a good time either way, and uh, Georgia just came in and dominated. I mean, especially in uh, the second half. Well, really, I mean, the fourth quarter, they kind of just let off the gas a little bit, let, let Florida score 13, make it look slightly better. Uh, but, I mean, outside of that fourth quarter, Georgia outscored Florida. What What is it right there? It's, what's what's mass? 36-7 to seven before the fourth quarter happened? I mean, just utter dominance early. I mean, Carson Beck looked... Carson Beck looked great, uh, 315, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, I think it's Dylan Edwards, the back, the, the running back over there, had uh, 96 yards, two touchdowns. Lad McConkey stepped up in the absence of uh, Brock Bowers. You need a dynamic white receiver over there with Georgia. It's just, I mean, it's part of what won them two national championships. You can't deny Brock Bowers was there before. It's Lad McConkey now. I think Lad McConkey was actually there for the last two national championships as well. So, I mean, they're deep. They're deep at white playmaker over there with the Georgia Bulldogs, which, given the demographic of the fan base, probably a good thing for keeping them people happy. Uh, just take that information for what you will. They take that implication for what you will. I'm staying away from that for now. But this is an impressive win over Florida here, man. Uh, three touchdown win in a, in a game that's kind of a pseudo home game for Florida. It's kind of like a little midway point between the two. A rivalry game, hostile game. Florida had all of the motivation in the world to come in here and uh, try and kick some ass. And Georgia just took care of business. Just absolutely throttled them outside of the fourth quarter where they, they just let off the gas. But that Georgia defense... Rounding into shape of uh, what we've seen over the last couple years there uh, with the Jordan Davises, the Nakobe Deans, the Jalen Carters. I could just go on and on with the names. Maybe the names aren't quite as recognizable this year, but the play and the players have been every bit as good. They have been really rounding into form here uh, as the season has gone on, and they're going to need them down the stretch, man. Without without Brock Bowers in there, basically everyone has to step up. Uh, Carson Beck has to step up. Lad McConkey. Uh, Ra Ra Thomas, who's the other guy? Luther Burden, transfer in from Missouri. Everybody's got to step up there, defense included as well. And pretty much all of them did in this game. I Georgia for me, this is really one of the one of the first games I would say where they truly proved that they were the the best team in the country. I think Michigan still right there behind them, but Michigan hasn't played anybody outside of a wet paper bag so far this season, so I can't really 
I mean, I'm, I'm taking their, their success with the largest grains of salt you can possibly imagine. I'm talking about that sea salt motherfucker that you got to put in the, in the twist and grind sort of a salt shaker there. Um, Georgia has just, I mean, gone through the meat of their schedule and looked impressive at, at basically every stop. Now, they do have a big test this week with Missouri coming off of a bye. A really well-coached Missouri team. They're not quite as talented. That's going to be a dandy of a matchup that Georgia, once again, has an opportunity to come out there and prove that they're the best team in the entire country with a win there. A dominant win, if they get that, would absolutely separate them from the pack. But... Gotta love what you see from Georgia after that uh, after that loss of Brock Bowers for, I don't want to just outright say the season. I think if they, uh, if and when they make it to the playoff, I'm assuming a lot of things there, but if they do make it to the playoff, I think Brock Bowers probably ends up coming back and playing. I mean, it's a, I think it's a high ankle sprain, uh, like a four to six week injury, which probably keep him out for the rest of the regular season. Um, maybe you see him in the, in the conference championship game, assuming that Georgia gets that far. I would assume you see him in the playoff at that point, which is probably g good news. Good news if you're a, a Georgia fan there. But I mean, again, you got to love what you saw from Georgia in this game. They they proved they're still every bit of the national championship contender they've been over the last several seasons under Kirby Smart over there in uh, in Athens, uh, Florida. On the other hand. You just ran into a juggernaut, man. I mean, Graham Mertz playing well up until this point. Didn't necessarily play badly in this one. Just didn't really put him over the top pretty much. I mean, 25 of 34, so not bad, but under seven yards per attempt. Two touchdowns and no turnover. Well, one fumble lost, so there is that. But no interceptions. Not bad. Um, even, even like the... What, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Running game. The, the running game wasn't bad either. I mean, Graham Mertz did score a rushing touchdown. I mean, hell, if you take out Graham Mertz rushing yards because he had some sack yards there that you got to account for. I mean, Montrell Johnson ran for nine yards a carry. Um, they didn't. I mean, Trevor Etienne ran for six yards a carry as well. Even even Trayvon Webb. I mean, 17 yards but 4.3 yards per carry. I mean, they were running efficiently over there. So not like they were playing badly. But they just ran into an absolute buzzsaw over there with the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, four sacks, eight tackles for loss. Um, just a team that's on a mission right now. I, I Again, I have been very impressed with this Georgia team in Florida. It, it feels like their, their delusional asses are probably in line to uh, maybe get rid of another coach over there in, in uh, Billy Napier. To be fair, though, probably shouldn't have hired him in the first place. I was... Uh, I, I was not sold on Billy Napier's bona fides coming into Florida. Still give him time, though. I'm usually all for the give him three years approach and, and see what you can get out of him, especially with a guy with a proven track record before getting there like uh, Billy Napier's was at UL Lafayette. But I don't know, man. Florida has not shown a whole lot of patience. They are some absolute psychopaths. The psychopaths among the psychopaths, I would say, when it comes to uh, delusional fan bases, delusional booster bases of a team. Wouldn't shock me at all if they just moved on for Billy Napier after after year two in this one. Um, still five and three, though. Could very easily, should make a bowl. Uh, should probably end up at eight and four or something like that. We'll have to see what the, what the schedule is down the stretch here. That would probably determine a lot of those things. Whew, man, that's a... Well, maybe maybe we're just looking at six and six here right now. Cause let me read this off for you. You got Arkansas this this upcoming week. 
Should be a dub, especially being at home. You you would expect them to win and dominate in that one. Uh, then prepare for pain, folks. You got LSU at Death Valley. You got Missouri on the road, and then you are facing Florida State in the final week of the year. Only saving grace there is you get them at home, but uh, four straight four straight ranked matchups to end off the season. Uh, like I said, prepare for pain, Florida. That home stretch is going to hurt. Um, just, yeah, prepare for pain. That That's the best way that I can put it right there. Uh, we move on, though. Ohio State goes into Camp Randall at Wisconsin, uh, gets a double-digit win, 24-14. to Only wins by 14, though, so we did cash that bet. There you go. That's awesome. Uh, going into Monday Night Football, we've got a, we've got a what, a 5-2 a, a record? Pretty good week. Pretty good week of gambling right here, man. We can go over 500 with a uh, with, with a win in this Monday night game with with Detroit. So long as they get a a nice eight point win or a uh, what what is it a, a nine point win, I suppose would get us a cover there. That would be cool. I digress on that front. Talking about college football here now, though, but. Uh, Ohio State going on the road. This is good. this is a tough road game, and this is a good test for them, um, especially coming off uh, off a big win versus Penn State to go on the road to Wisconsin in a hostile environment. Really, really good crowd there in Camp Randall. They always show up, especially for the big games. Uh, they show up and they they are very loud, very hostile. Um, Ohio State's offense didn't look good. Kyle McCord ultimately might be the the part of the team that holds them back in the end. Two interceptions probably kept this game closer than it would have been otherwise, but Ohio State's defense is the best that Ryan Day has had since he has been there. Travion Henderson ran for 162 and a touchdown. Uh, Marvin Harrison had 123 yards in both touchdowns that Kyle McCord threw. The, the thing is, the good thing for Kyle McCord is he has enough players around him to still make the offense proficient enough, and the defense is prolific enough that Ohio State can win every single game this year, and they are probably hell. I would I would actually put them ahead of Michigan right now. I mean, Michigan still has not played anyone. Ohio State's played a couple uh, really tough tests. I mean, from Notre Dame to Penn State last week, Wisconsin. All three of those teams are better than every single team that Michigan has played thus far in their schedule. We won't know a damn thing really about Michigan until they get into the final couple weeks of the year when they play Penn State. Ohio State and like I think two of three weeks they play those those guys and that's that's pretty much it outside of that stick of fork in it it's done when you get to that point hell even Maryland I would say who Ohio State beat earlier this year is probably better than any team that that Michigan has played so yeah I mean Ohio State just I would say nipping at the heels of Georgia right now I just don't think their offense is quite as good as Georgia's has been so far this year and, uh, yeah, that's going to be another playoff team that looks, I mean, just chomping at the bit, ready to go when it comes to getting in that big dance at the end of the year. Um, good win for Ohio State in this one. Wisconsin, it's a rebuilding year. I, I understand, man. They started Braden Locke at quarterback. He didn't play great. Um as, as a result, I mean, especially with that Ohio State defense, if you're one-dimensional against that Ohio State defense, good luck. It's going to be a long day. And, I mean, Braylon Allen found that out. Only 10 carries, uh, 50 yards. Uh, Jackson Acker, who, yeah, I've definitely heard of before, uh, he was the second running back. And Braylon Allen was the only one over four yards a carry. Jackson Acker had 3.8, and he was the second best. So, yeah, it just was not uh, – it wasn't Wisconsin's day. I got all the faith in Luke Fickle. Especially with that environment there at Camp Randall that I talked about uh, with the coaching acumen. Hey, I'll put it this way. 
if Luke Fickle can bring Cincinnati to a playoff berth, he can do the exact same thing with Wisconsin. I can assure you of that. And I would say pretty much the only job uh, that could probably pry him away from a big-time Big Ten job at this point um, is the job that he just played against, Ohio State. And Ryan Day, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon unless some uh, NFL team takes a stab at him at this point. That's pretty much the only way he's leaving. So Wisconsin's probably got their coach for a good long while, probably anywhere from five to ten years, if not even more, I would say. Uh, Luke Fickle will probably be at Wisconsin. Uh, He will get this thing going at some point. It's just you bring in Phil Longo, you're not expecting to just pound the rock over and over, at least not in the long term. They got to get some some new pieces in there. They got to get on the recruiting trail, uh, get in the transfer portal and kind of remake this roster a little bit. Um, they'll get it going. It's just not not really their year this year. They're, they're still a year away, but it's year one. We should be tempering expectations for year one. Uh, not every... Not every team is going to step in like Lincoln Riley at USC last year, who we'll get to in just a second. Don't don't you worry on that one. They are an absolute shit show this year, but you can't expect to be on the cusp of a playoff berth like USC was uh, last year. Not everyone's going to bring in Caleb Williams in the transfer portal pretty much, but we'll keep it moving from there. Uh, Florida State goes on the road to Wake Forest. They take care of business. They look like the clear-cut number four team in the nation right now behind the the top three that I mentioned there in Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. Not not necessarily in that order, but Florida State, they've really proved the last last couple weeks they they are here to stay, and they're absolutely legit. There seems to be the cream rising to the top, uh, the top four that – undisputably deserve that spot up there, and then everyone else has kind of fallen by the wayside. Washington in particular, uh, talking about that next team up, they barely snuck one out against uh, Stanford, a 2-6 and six Stanford team, mind you. They did just come off a big win the previous week versus Colorado, but in no world should Stanford be scoring 33 points on Washington's defense. Final score 42-33, to 33, by the way. Um, one of the bets we lost, so... Uh, on my shit list for that reason, but I digress. The offense is what it is. When you got Michael P- uh, Michael Penix, uh, Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze, um, all the weapons they got. Hell, even Dylan Johnson in the backfield's been been dealing over there. Uh, just a plethora of weapons. When you got all that to work with on offense, they're going to be prolific. That's just the way it is. The defense is just simply not up to up to snuff right now, and. Hell, I think if they if Oregon and Washington played tomorrow, which it looks like they're on a collision course of the Pac-12 title game, and we'll talk about Oregon here in just a bit, I probably favor Oregon again because, I mean, Oregon just uh, if you're talking defensively, offensively, whole package, they're just a, a a clearly better team than Washington right now. Even though Washington beat them in the last minute last time, but you gotta you gotta remember when that game too. There were a couple two-point conversions, fourth-down attempts that didn't quite go Oregon's way, and they were still a field goal away from winning that thing. So, I mean, I think Oregon is is pretty clearly a better team than Washington right now. Washington has kind of fallen off uh, from what I thought they were early in the season. They're not the buzzsaw that they were coming out of the gate right now. Uh, We will be betting accordingly going forward, Uh, but... Still eight and zero, number five team in the country last week. I would I would probably rank Oregon ahead of them right now at this point. Uh, but we move on from there. Still got everything they want in front of them. Pac-12 championship, playoff berth, all of it is right there for the taking. They just got to round into form here down the stretch. But we keep it moving. Already talked about Oklahoma and Kansas. 
Uh, Texas hosted BYU and just, it was a splattering, just beat the hell out of them. Um, Malik Murphy didn't look fantastic. Um, he looks like a physical freak, so there there is that. Uh, threw a couple touchdowns to A.D. Mitchell, I think it was. They didn't really need him to be great, though. I mean, they, this was basically just uh, 35 to 6, just absolute drubbing. Uh, the defense was the uh, the real star of this game, holding BYU to only six points, getting two interceptions off of Keaton Slovis at his 15th college football team. Um, so, yeah, not much to write home about there. It's a good good warm up game though for Malik Murphy, especially going into this home stretch of the season. Let's look at uh look at Texas's schedule here right now. Uh, you have Kansas State coming up this week. Watch out! They have Kansas State has been playing out of their minds here recently. They are really really rounding into form. I'm they're looking like every bit of the team that won the Big Twelve last year. People forget. Um, I find myself forgetting every so often until I think about last season. I'm like, wait a second. Kansas State did win the Big 12, didn't they? Wild, wild season last year, but uh, I digress on that front. Kansas State next week, uh, it's at home, so you got that uh, on your on your plate. That that helps out, but new starter in Malik Murphy. Uh, first big game as a starter for Malik Murphy uh, with a really, really good Kansas State squad coming in. Watch out. That's I mean, it's probably too obvious of an upset alert for it to actually happen in reality, but... Man, this uh, that's going to be a dandy of a matchup next week, and I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight over there in Austin. Uh, they got TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. So really, if they get past Kansas State this next week, uh, for all intents and purposes, now you do have to watch out for Ohio State. You're going two aims in that one, and I mean... Say all the jokes you want to about Iowa State. They've really played well down the stretch this year. Uh, currently at second in the Big 12. Two of their three losses are out of conference right now. So I'm really tied for first. There are, what, five teams at 4-1 and one in conference play in the Big 12 right now. Iowa State being one of them. And Ames is just, it's a tough place to play, man, no matter what. I mean, that place gets rocking. It's a hell of a home environment. And uh, Matt Campbell's got the boys playing here recently. So I wouldn't discount that one, but TCU and Texas Tech should be wins. You got to get past Kansas State. That's undisputedly the toughest um, test left on Texas's schedule, but watch out for that Ohio State game. They should they should still be going to the Big 12 championship game, but nothing is granted at this point. Nothing is given. Nothing is granted at this point. Texas got to go out there and win, win it. And um, with a backup quarterback, that's certainly not a guarantee. We move on from there, though. Uh, the college game day matchup this week, the probably biggest ranked matchup of the week, ended up being a snoozer, quite frankly. Oregon just went into Utah, um, a team that has not lost at home in quite some time. They were 29 of the last 30 at home for Utah. I mean, just a rocking environment. It's at elevation. It's a tough place to play. Oregon goes in there and just paints the walls with Utah's blood. I mean, 35-6 to the final score. Uh, Bucky Irving had a good game. Bo Nix was efficient as per usual. Troy Franklin had a good game as well. I mean, everything, everything, everything was working uh, for the Oregon Ducks in this game. And Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer, had a good week last week against USC's defense. But uh, so has literally everyone else against USC's defense. Now you're playing the best defense in the conference right now in all likelihood, the Oregon Ducks. And uh, you just ran into a buzzsaw pretty much. 15 to 29, 136 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns on the day. Um, 
yeah, just just utter dominance from the Oregon Ducks right now. Like I said before, uh, they're probably my clear team, clear number one team in the Pac-12 right now. Even with that loss to to Washington, I mean, what do they have that that Washington doesn't have? Or I mean, they've got a better defense, I would say, comparable offense, comparable quarterbacks, both probably first round pick quarterbacks. I'd say probably a, a deeper backfield as well. Better starting running back in Bucky Irving for sure. I mean, no no, uh, no shade to my boy Dylan Johnson over there with, with Washington, but Bucky Irving's one of the best running backs in the country. He'll be, uh, I mean, maybe not, you don't draft running backs in the first round anymore, but a top half of the draft guy for sure, and will probably be playing um, important snaps for some NFL team next year. I can almost assure you of that. So, I mean, this Oregon team, firing on all cylinders right now. And there were just a couple unlucky breaks away in that Washington game from actually winning that one and being 8-0. So, I mean, this Oregon team, really, I mean, I think, I don't know if people are sleeping on them per se. They certainly shouldn't, though, because they are looking like, um, they're looking like the possible conference champions here in, an, in another month or so. Um, have to continue watching that. They're Washington and Oregon are on a collision course uh, for that in that title game once again, and I think that that round two uh, might go Oregon's Oregon's way in a big way. Uh, we'll leave it at that though. Penn State continuing to look sh look shaky. Uh, Drew Aller still has not found a, a passing stroke just yet. I mean, they get a win here, thirty three to twenty four over uh, the listless Indiana uh, Hoosiers, but. I mean, Drew Aller did get three touchdowns, but only 210 yards, under seven yards per attempt on the day. Just wasn't wasn't great. Um, still have not found a, a way to push the ball down the field uh, like that. That one re reporter, I don't know if his name is Corey, C Corey, Corey. I don't remember. My brain is just absolute mush right now, so I can't. I, I can't. I couldn't tell you, but. Drew Aller got outpassed or really outperformed by Braden Sorsby in this one, uh, who had 269 yards, 14, I mean, literally twice the yards per attempt of what Drew Aller had and, and three touchdowns to go with it as well. I mean, Penn State got the win. Um, they ended up, I mean, they ended up getting like, a bit of cushion there at the end, just based on some some fluky plays in the fourth quarter. It was a lot even closer than what the nine point margin would tell you. Penn State, I'm just not sure um, they're up to snuff. I think they'll probably end up losing to Michigan as well later in the season. Again, we don't really know who Michigan is or whether they're really that top end team that we think they are at this point. But I mean, just undeniable that they have. I mean, even against. Similar competition, I would say, um, outside of the last couple weeks uh, for for Michigan and, and Penn State. Michigan's just outperformed Penn State in a lot of areas. So I just we had a lot of expectations for Penn State coming into the season. I'm I'm not sure they're they're really going to live up to it. It feels like it's going to be another sort of 11 and two season. Uh, still probably going to win a bowl game. Maybe going to win a bowl game. Got a fantastic defense for the most part, but they gave up big plays like they haven't really all year against this Indiana team and against Indiana too. It's not like they're going up against a, a vaunted offense like Michigan has been so far this year or, or anything like that. It's, it's Indiana who's been kind of a doormat um, 0 and five in the, in the conference play so far, 
a team that you really should have come in and beat the hell out of hell. Full disclosure, I, you know, perused the Friday night lines there with Josh Pate. He put this out as a bet as part of his Ramen Noodle Express he does each week, which is, don't even really feel like explaining it, but it's, it's you know, it's it's gambling picks. They were favored by 31. I thought that was going to be a clear-cut pick. I thought Indian, I thought... Indiana was going to wilt at some point, that Penn State was going to pull away. That simply did not happen. I had a lot of faith in Penn State in this one to bounce back after a big loss, and that simply was not happening. So, I mean, I don't know where Penn State goes from here. I still think they probably win every other game outside of Michigan, but there's a clear ceiling on this team. I think they're still a year away. Drew Aller has to make some big-time strides when it comes to downfield passing, um, if if this uh, if this team is going to go to the promised land in the next couple years, uh, we move on from there. Though, what do we have next? What do we have next? Oh man, uh, the Pac-12 After Dark special here, folks. I was fast asleep because I had uh, work in the morning, but Oregon State and Arizona played a dandy of a game, and Arizona at home came out on top, twenty-seven to twenty-four. They shock number eleven. Oregon State get the win, improved to five and three on the year. Jed Fish has got those boys playing out of their mind. Noah Fafita, I think he is outright taking the job from Jaden Delora right now. I think Jaden Delora is kind of semi healthy, healthy enough to probably start if they if they needed or wanted him to. to. And Noah Fafita just got his ass on the bench pretty much. I mean, Fafita had three touchdowns, two seventy five in this one, one interception. Um, McMillan, his wide receiver, had uh, eight receptions for eighty yards. Arizona, man, with what they had been before Jed Fish got there to what they were last year to what they are now this year, I mean, hats off to them. Another guy that I would love to see at Mississippi State, though, I could understand uh, why he would choose to stay at Arizona in that beautiful locale instead of going to uh, the flat, one of the flattest places in America. It's called Tornado Alley for a reason. It's because all that flat land uh, is conducive to building up tornadoes, so... I would understand why he stayed at Arizona, but man, he is such a good coach over there. Oregon State, they had everything in front of them, and they just, they just right in the bed, and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, Damian Martinez had a, had a quality game, but I mean, DJ Uyunglele just was not good enough in this one. 16 of 30, 218, two touchdowns, no interceptions, so uh, credit to him where it's due there. No, no turnovers on the day, but... 50% completion percentage is not good enough in this game. You needed him to be better if you wanted to win against Arizona. It's a, they're a feisty team, especially at home, and they've been reeling off some wins here recently. So it's it's one of those games that you had to play your best in order to get past, and you were expected to play your best, but this is kind of one that uh, separates the cream from the crop, if you will. The cream, rice, I don't, I don't know exactly. Again, brain, absolute mush. Uh, this is one Oregon State had to win in order to stay alive in that conference. I still think they're a very good team. Um, hell, if if they played tomorrow uh, on a neutral field, Oregon State probably would still be favored just because they're they're probably a, a little bit more talented team, I would say. But they just don't quite have have the horses to get to it this year. And uh, in their final opportunity to go on a run in the Pac-12. Doesn't look like they're going to do it this year. John Smith doing a hell of a job over there, especially with where Oregon State was when he got there. Like, really, really bad team when he got there and playing really good football now, but it's not quite good enough to get over the hump with this uh, this feisty Wildcats team. All the credit in the world to Arizona, but for Oregon State, that's where you just got to win. 
excuse me, uh, Ole Miss beat the dog shit out of Vanderbilt. Never forget that two and seven Vanderbilt was uh, the fourth um, fourth most picked team to win the SEC at SEC Media Days. That should tell you what absolute big old dipshits uh, are in the SEC media. We'll leave it there, though. Ole Miss got the job done. Quinshawn Judkins, absolute monster. What else is new? Uh, they went 33-7. to Notre Dame, I mean, just ran over Pittsburgh with a steamroller and then backed up about 15 to 20 times until they were just a, a fine paste on the concrete. 58-7, to the final score. Audric Estime had three touchdowns. Hell, Sam Hartman had two interceptions, and it didn't matter. They still win 58-7. to Just, I mean, killed Pittsburgh in this one. Uh, Pittsburgh trying to find answers right now. Pat Narduzzi uh, didn't love the offensive line play, didn't love what uh, his players were doing. Backtracked that afterwards, but in the heat of the moment, in the emotion, he said what he really felt, and, you know, we'll, we'll take that accordingly. We move on from there. Hall man. North Carolina stepped in one man. I mean, they they had everything in front of them still. Yes, they lose to Virginia the previous week. They fell all the way down to number 17. But this is one where you got to bounce back in. And they go into Georgia Tech, go into the heart of Atlanta, and they lose 46-42. to um, Yeah, that's it. Call it, call it a season, folks. If it's Emmanuel Acho is knocking on Drake May's door and, and telling him to stop playing now because... No playoff hopes for the North Carolina future here, man. All they can hope for is to piss in Cheerios and go and, and go to a, a semi-competitive bowl game. Outside of that, two losses ain't going to get you in the college football playoff, especially not two losses to uh, Virginia and Georgia Tech. Just another Mac Brown special, man. This was, I mean, probably the most hyped North Carolina team, a, a team that... I mean, you thought the you thought the defensive front was going to be better this year. You thought the defense in general was going to be better. You got a top two quarterback in the draft, probably a top two pick in the draft this upcoming year. You got a great running back in O'Mary and Hampton. All you need is that that defense to just be serviceable. They don't even need to be great. They just need to be serviceable, and they would be you know eight and zero right now, seven and one. What do they do? They give up 46 to Georgia Tech. Just embarrassing. I mean, they North Carolina shouldn't fire Mac Brown because he's got them better than really they have any right of, of being at this point and really better than they've been in, in their entire uh, existence as a program, football-wise, pretty much. But, man, this, is, uh, this was embarrassing. This was an embarrassing loss for North Carolina. And you want to talk about a team that – Lost one that they should have won this week. That is what North Carolina did here. They absolutely just fumbled one here. I mean, no no pun intended. They just did not play uh, up to snuff, and that's what happens, man. Gene Chizik, probably going to have to run him out of town at the defensive coordinator spot, um, bring in some new uh, new faces there, but they've done that pretty much every year, and it just hasn't worked. So I don't, I don't know where you go from here if you're North Carolina, man. I don't think you're going to be getting another Drake May stepping in there and uh, having you competing for a national title again next year. You just, what can I say? You just fumble your best opportunity to go on a, a national title uh, run in really probably going to be the next five, ten years. This is going to be the best opportunity that you will have. And you go from Sam Howell to Drake May, you get pretty much nothing to show for it. Uh, you, you hate that for the North Carolina fans. Inexcusable for Mac Brown, though, quite frankly. I, again, I don't think he'll get fired, but, I mean, he's got to have some real competitive pressure on his shoulders after what he has um, 
accomplished or a lack thereof over the last several seasons with those two legitimate NFL caliber quarterbacks uh, that they've had in the building. Not to mention, I'm not not even talking about uh, like like the the Josh Downs they've had in, in the building as well. Um, Deami Brown, another NFL wide receiver they had in the in the building over there. I mean, just I mean, Ty Chandler, current Minnesota Viking, was in that that program as well. Inexcusable to have had as as little success as they have had under Mac Brown and having all that uh, that talent in the building. That's it's unfortunate, but we keep it moving from there. Let's get some caffeine real quick, refuel. Yeah, just hitting pit lane there real quick. <laughs> Getting the old gas gas out of the way, out of the system. Getting lots of text right now because I am popular. What else is new? Um, What do we got next here? Ah, yes. Duke goes on the road to Louisville. This is what I was kind of worried about from, from Duke, and I... I stayed away from it because it felt like a little little bit of a worrisome spot. You're going into Louisville, um, host, really hostile, underrated environment, I would even say, after what we saw Louisville do to Notre Dame on their home field. Um, and with Riley Leonard not being healthy, a worrisome game for sure, and um, it was even worse than we expected here. I mean, Louisville just beat the absolute shit out of Duke, 23-0. The final score in this one, Riley Leonard played, but... Uh, without that threat of the run, he's just not a very good quarterback, and uh, Louisville's defense ate him alive. Jawar Jordan for Louisville had 162 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Just utter dominance from Louisville, who is now 7-1, and one, and uh, really taking up the mantle where North Carolina left off as far as the being the one to play Florida State in that ACC title game. And that will be a worthy test for Florida State. Make no mistake about it. Jeff Brom has got the boys absolutely humming in year one over there at Louisville. And they don't even really have a great quarterback in there. I mean, Riley Leonard led this game in passing with 121 yards. I mean, Jack Plummer went 11 of 16 for 117 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, didn't commit a, a turnover at all, which you got to like, but at the same time, wasn't winning them the game. Jawar Jordan was the one that won them the game. The defense was the ones that won them this game. Four sacks, six tackles for loss, five passes defense, which is really, really good. I mean, especially for a, a college team to go out there and have that sort of production on the on the defensive side of the ball. Ashton Gillot, Gillot? Galat, I, I don't know how you pronounce Ashton, that guy, got two sacks in the day as well. So that Louisville defense, uh, one of the more underrated parts of this team. You, you think Jeff Brom, you think offense before you think of a, a star defensive play. But, man, what a, uh, what a team they got over there with Louisville this year. I mean, I was skeptical about them coming in. But they've won some games very emphatically that I expected them to kind of keep a little bit closer. 7-1. and one. It's a just absolute cupcake of a schedule, to be sure, outside of Notre Dame and Duke thus far. But, man, they have, they've really showed out, and they've, uh, they've played very, very well so far this year. And uh, really on pace right now. I mean, what do they got down the stretch here? Um, I'm losing the pit, though. That's, that's wild. I mean, I know you're going to pit. That's that's a wild, wild loss they're going to want back at the end of the season. Still going to play Virginia Tech, who's been playing well. Virginia, who's been feisty recently. Then you're at Miami and versus Kentucky. They could still pick up a loss there on the home stretch, but I do think the worst is behind them so far this year. That Notre Dame and Duke in two of three, three games, 
that's tough. And they got through that with two wins over Notre Dame and Duke. Just, you know, sandwiched in between was a loss to Pitt. Just inexplicable, but that's college football for you. You never know exactly what team is going to show up each week. I continue to be endlessly impressed with what Jeff Brom has done there with the Louisville Cardinals, though. We move on. Air Force, they beat Colorado State uh, 30-13. to uh, I believe Colorado State student section got a penalty, uh, unnecessary, not unnecessary, uh, it's a personal foul penalty for throwing snowballs on the field in this one. And uh, you get a, a hilarious picture out of that after the student section gets moved back like seven rows. At that point, you just need to bring in Kelsey Plum, someone with an absolute rocket arm, uh, to still be able to hit the field with snowballs over there. Jay Norvell probably be talking to him about integrity. You still need to be chucking snowballs. You just got to be absolutely um, just indignant. Indignant towards that, that uh, Air Force team. Uh, got to appreciate the boys in uniform, though. 8-0 now on the season. And again, I, I must remind you, if we had the 12-team playoff this year, uh, your Air Force, whatever the hell their mascot is, would be the uh, non-Power 5 representative in your joke of a 12-team playoff. Don't want to get into that again, but that playoff, uh, that, that playoff format is a joke. Automatic qualifiers are jokes. We move on from there, though. Uh, Tennessee. Um, handing Kentucky their third loss of the season, 33-27. to They go on the road to do it as well. Devin Leary had probably his best game in a Kentucky uniform, 372 and two touchdowns. But the problem was, I mean, Jalen Wright ran for 120 on 11 carries, got a touchdown as well. Um, Joe Milton was serviceable, not, not great. I mean, I think we've kind of learned throughout the season that Joe Milton probably isn't a guy that's going to take you over the top. But, I mean, Really solid. I mean, 18 to 21, 228, uh, a touchdown. I had some solid runs in this one as well. I mean, the the running game in general here for this one. I mean, Josh Heupel has shown that he's just an offensive mind. Doesn't matter of quote unquote air raid passing. I mean, if he's got personnel to pass it, he'll pass it. If he's got the personnel to run it, he'll run it. And he's got the personnel to run it. Let me tell you. I mean, 253 yards in this game, 5.4 yards per carry, two touchdowns on the ground. That was the difference in this one. I mean, Kentucky, Ray Davis, one of the, the better running backs in the SEC. He had just 42 yards and 2.6 yards per carry in this game. Uh, three yards per carry as a team. And that's like, I mean, that's with Devin Leary going for 4.2 yards per carry, which usually in, in college games, uh, you expect the quarterback to kind of weigh on your rushing performance. No, he was, I mean, he only helped pretty much in this one. And that's just how dominant that Tennessee front was. This is probably the best defense that Josh Heupel has had at Tennessee thus far. And, you know, maybe the offense isn't explosive as, as explosive as it has been under the, the Hendon Hooker uh, quarterbacking regime. But, man, you just got to kind of, you know, you got to be encouraged with what you're seeing so far and, and going into the future. But, Really, you're just kind of getting the bridge. Uh, Joe Milton gone after this season. You're just trying to get the bridge from here to Nico Iamaliava, who is, again, I, I made the point last year, and it was no shade to Hen and Hooker. It's more of just um, more of just indicative of how good of a coach and how um, good of a reputation that Josh Heupel has. Hennon Hooker is probably the least talented quarterback physically that Josh Heupel will ever have again at Tennessee. Nico Iamaliava, uh, number one, number two quarterback in last year's recruiting class, will be taking over the reins next season. And um, I would imagine he's just going to have another prolific passing offense uh, when he, he does step in. 
This is uh, this Tennessee program. They're going to be good for a long, long time as long as Josh Heupel is there. And being in the SEC, not a whole lot of places that Josh Heupel is going to jump ship for and go elsewhere. Especially being able to recruit there with Tennessee. Maybe not quite the level of an Alabama or a, a Georgia, Ohio State, or something like that. But good enough to get you in that conversation every couple years or so. And that's that's really what you that's what that's what you can really hope for at Tennessee right now. They have got the program humming over there. And even without a high flying offense, the fact they're able to win go six and two so far this season with a kind of a tough schedule kind of speaks to how good of a coach that Josh Heupel is. Um able to kind of adapt around whatever you give him. Kentucky, on the other hand, man, it's just just not looking great. Not looking great over there with the Kentucky Wildcats. They've lost three straight now. Granted, it's the three really good teams. I mean, they they beat uh, Florida on the road on the at home actually. Excuse me for all that stumbling over my words there. Then they lose to Georgia on the road. Missouri comes in and beats them. Then Tennessee does the exact same. Good news, though, uh, you're going to Mississippi State this week, so a win is on the horizon. I can almost assure you of that. We will talk about that absolute shit show here in just a few moments. I'm going to have to, I'm going to unload some emotions on y'all, folks. I hope you're ready. Hope you're ready for that one. A Mississippi State drove me to drink pretty heavily this weekend. I'll just put it that way, and it's not in a good way. Not in a good way at all. Uh, stick a cork in that for now. Uh, Tulane barely pulls one out against Rice. That this was a really entertaining game, thirty to twenty-eight, the final score. Uh, Tulane, after all that, they're seven and one. Only loss being to Ole Miss earlier in the year, and without Michael Pratt, uh, mind you, as well. Um, if they had Michael Pratt in there, every opportunity for for Tulane to have actually won that game. So who knows if they could they could have been undefeated if Michael Pratt had been in that game, but. They sneak one out against Rice. Uh, still, Willie Fritz has got the boys absolutely playing down there. Um, Hughes, the running back for Tulane, had 153 yards. Pratt had an okay day, not a great day, but good enough to get the win in the end. They just barely sneak past uh, JT Daniels and Rice over there. They beat Food. They did not lose to Food, and that is pretty much all you can take away from this. A win is a win at this point. Um, Colorado goes on the road to UCLA. Ethan Garbers starting for UCLA. I think Dante Moore is is hurt, so he was not playing in this one. But Ethan Garbers was good enough to get the job done. Uh, two sixty nine, two touchdowns, one interception. And when UCLA's defense is playing the way that they that they play, um, it's that's all you really need. Twenty eight to sixteen, the final score. They get a double digit win over Colorado. Deion Sanders states yet again the obvious thing that we all know. Uh, they need big boys on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Offensive linemen, defensive linemen, if they really want to take this program to the next level. I would imagine that's going to be a heavy, heavy emphasis in the transfer portal recruiting and just overall raw recruiting uh, this upcoming cycle for them. Everything else is in place right now. They are going to have to replace Shadur Sanders after this year at quarterback, another area where they're probably going to be going to the transfer portal for um, as well. But they got, I mean, good offensive staff, good defensive staff. Deion Sanders put together a really, really good staff there. Just a matter of getting the players in there. They just simply don't have them right now. UCLA, though, 6-2. and two. Um, get another really good win here over Colorado. Uh, dominant, 28-16, to 16, at least on the defensive side of the ball. USC... This is just who they are now. They barely get the win over over Cal, uh, fifty to forty nine. Cal has a a two point conversion to basically win it at the end, and they don't get it. So USC survives fifty to forty nine. Uh, Caleb Williams threw for three sixty nine, two touchdowns. Um, Lincoln Riley 
There are some rumors swirling about him having one eye on the NFL, and I can neither confirm nor deny those rumors because I got, I mean, literally no connections whatsoever in any program, let alone USC, which is right across the country, three time zones away from me, in fact. Um, but I will say, with what we've seen on, on tape over the last several weeks as USC has kind of squandered away their playoff chances here, it looks like a team with a head coach who's got his eye on the NFL right now, or his eye elsewhere, pretty much. And I think he's thinking to himself, okay, whoever has the number one overall pick this upcoming year, probably going to be in a position where you don't want your head coach to stick around anymore. So they have a head coaching opening. They got um, Caleb Williams coming in, a guy that Lincoln Riley has a lot of familiarity with. Would make a lot of sense to go ahead and hire Lincoln Riley, who's been the most prolific um, offensive quarterback developer uh, over the last decade or so in college football. I mean, countless number one overall picks, not just number one picks as far as first round picks, number one overall picks over the last several years from Baker Mur Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray uh, to now Caleb Williams, who will be the clear number one overall pick in this upcoming draft. Would make sense to bring in a guy like that uh, just so long as Alex Grinch doesn't come with him, because Alex Grinch, man, it's, I mean, don't want to beat a dead horse here, but you gave up 49 to Cal. I mean, just hit the over with ease. Another bet that we absolutely smashed this week. Good week. Good week on the board. Just, you know, not quite so good in my personal betting. That's that's my problem, not yours. I just, I, I, I like to gamble. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, but uh, USC gets the win. This is what they are, though, man. I mean, the USC overs are alive and well, and I may bet them on the over every single week uh, from here on out just because the defense is going to be sad and the offense is going to be good enough to, at the very least, keep them in the game. We move on from there, though. JMU gets the dub. They they were favored by, like, 20, 20 and a half, 21, depending on where you got the line at. Um, just barely snuck away with a win in this one, though. They get a 38 to 20, not 38, 30 to 27. They are 8-0 now. Uh, NCAA, make them bowl eligible, you cowards. They should be. They're 8-0. I don't think they've lost a game in the last two years. Maybe they lost one game last season. But they have been, I mean, as far as as newcomers are concerned, one of the best starts in the FBS that we've ever seen uh, coming out of the FCS ranks. James Madison is just playing out of their minds at the FBS level so far. And granted, their, their best win is against Virginia, who is one of the worst Power 5 teams uh, in the entire country, but 8-0 is 8-0, man. They're, they're ranked 25 now. Um, just put them in a bowl, man. They deserve it. They, they deserve it really, really um, for what they've done. Who knows how good they'll be next year when they're actually, I think they're actually bowl eligible next year, but they should be bowl eligible this year. The, the lack of bowl eligibility rule for FCS teams that elevate up to FBS is just total bullshit. What else is new with the NCAA, though? That does it for the top 25 matchups. Let's go around each of the Power 5 conferences, starting off with the Big 12. Um, Kansas State, talked about them earlier, really rounded into form. They beat the brakes off of Houston, 41 to nothing. Will Howard had, uh, I believe, two touchdowns. Uh, maybe it was four touchdowns. This one. Let's get a look at the old box score. Um, yeah, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, so so good enough for him. Uh, 15 of 17 through the air, two touchdowns. Avery Johnson, uh, the quarterback that we thought had taken Will Howard's job, still went five for six, 46 yards and a touchdown. As a team, I mean, they ran 
I don't know if Jake Jake Rubley is a is a a running back or a, a wide receiver or or if he is just just you know one of one of those guys that's uh, that's a that's a quarterback out there. No matter who they put out there, I mean, you're running multiple quarterbacks. You expect one uh, both of those quarterbacks to kind of be bad. Just not the case for Kansas State. They went 21 to 24, 215, nine yards per attempt, three touchdowns, zero interceptions as a team. That's not just one player. That's as a team in this game. And um, you know what? As a as a running game, for once, Avery Johnson was a detractor on their running game. Had minus five yards on the day, 179 yards on the ground, three touchdowns for the Kansas State uh, uh, Wildcats right now. Uh, DJ Giddens led the way with uh, 13 carries, 96 yards on the day, two touchdowns as well. I said it before, I'll say it again, Kansas State, you've got to watch out for them in this Big 12 race, one of the five teams at 4-1 and one in the conference right now, and playing every bit as well as they were down the home stretch of last season. Watch out for this team, they could really make some waves down the stretch here, and I mean, they're 6-2, and two, probably don't have any playoff chances at this point, but... They could really piss in some wholesale Cheerios down the stretch, man, especially coming up this week, uh, going up against Texas coming up. Um, West Virginia gets a win over UCF 41-28. to um, feels, like, uh, feels like UCF only hits the over when I don't bet on them. So life is pain, existence is suffering. You know the drill. We move on from there. Uh, Iowa State gets a win over a reeling Baylor team. Um, 30 to 18. Iowa State's now five and three on the year after that abysmal start to the season, really rounding into form. I really hope Baylor doesn't get rid of Dave Aranda, but he has he's kind of earned some criticism here, man. It's been a tough, tough year for Baylor. It was a tough year last year as well after winning the whole entire conference uh, two seasons ago. Um, Baylor has a right to kind of be a little bit upset, and I think uh, I think. Dave Aranda's seat is hot, and I think if he does this again next year, he is fired. Uh, no two ways about it. I just hope they give him another uh, season to try and, and turn this thing around because I do think he's a really solid head coach over there. Maybe that's just my personal bias. Maybe I just like the way um, Dave Aranda comports himself, especially in in press conference. Just a hard-ass guy. Love him. Love him to death, quite frankly. But um, just has not been cutting it as far as team performance is concerned over the last two seasons. We move on from there. Um, Oklahoma State, talked about him before. Ollie Gordon, a name that you need to remember if you were a college football fan right now. Um, already over 1,000 yards for the season through eight games. Take a look at this game log right now. Over the last, um, going back to the game against Iowa State, the last loss that Oklahoma State had, um, for, for some reason, Ollie Gordon only had like a total of a little over 100 yards in the first three games of this season. Don't ask me why. I've got no idea. But once they found out they had Ollie Gordon on the roster over there at Oklahoma State, starting off with the, the, the Iowa State game, he gets 121 versus Iowa State. That is a loss. But starts a four-game winning streak. Starting with Kansas State, they get a 29-21 victory. He runs for 136. Kentucky, not Kentucky, Kansas, when they were first ranked, they get the win, 39-32. to Ollie Gordon runs for 168. Then we start the torrid stretch that he's on right now. West Virginia, they get the win there. 48-34, Ollie Gordon goes for 282, four touchdowns. And this week against Cincinnati, 
They blow him out 45 to 13. Ollie Gordon goes for 271, two touchdowns. Um, he is playing out of his mind right now. 7.7 yards per carry this year, 10 rushing touchdowns. Like I said, already over a thousand yards. Uh, man, end up really. I mean, I don't. I don't know what the FBS uh, individual rushing statistics are, but as far as all purpose, he's got 1,300 all purpose yards this year. He is an absolute stud. The entire Oklahoma State offense, quite frankly, they don't really have a quarterback worth a damn over there. But uh, I mean, Alan Bowman, to his credit, did throw for 286 in this game. Um, but Ollie Gordon is the centerpiece of that offense, playing out of his mind. And hey, hats off. Hats off to Mike Gundy over there, the mad mullet. He has um, saved his job once again, man. Really, um, with all that they lost in this offseason, from Spencer Sanders to like basically every defensive starter, no one thought. I mean, I certainly did not think that Oklahoma State was going to be as good as they are right now. And at the beginning of the season, I felt vindicated. Now, man, they are every, they've got every bit as good of a chance as anybody else to go out there and win this conference, and they can really make some waves and start making some national headlines this week if they go into Bedlam and win it here against Oklahoma. That is going to be a dandy, a dandy, I tell you, of a matchup coming up this week. I mean, really, Week 10 of college football, uh, it's, it's loaded, folks. We'll get to it here in just a minute, but it is a loaded, loaded slate of games. Uh, I'll talk about the Big Ten Maryland absolutely reeling after that Ohio State loss. They started out the season 5-0, and now lost three straight. This one coming against Northwestern, uh, 33-27. Uh, Talia Tongavailoa had an all-right game, you know, 274, three touchdowns, one interception, uh, but just not good enough against Northwestern. Northwestern, man, they are much better than I gave them credit for. They are, they, I mean, I thought they were going to be maybe the worst team in all of Power 5 with the way that uh, Pat Fitzgerald got run out of town. They just had not a very good roster. They had two wins the previous season. Credit to them, man. Four and four. Uh, that's probably like twice as many wins as I expected them to get this season. So hats off. They've really been a lot better than I anticipated. Maryland just trying to find answers right now. They have not been the same team as they were to start this season. Uh, what else we got? Minnesota becoming the latest team to absolutely dominate Michigan State. They win 27-12 to over Michigan State in this one. I, man, Minnesota just finds an, a different running back in each recruiting class. They say, hey, kid, how would you like us to grind your knees to dust? Um, Nubbin, Jordan Nubbin. And I, I look at his uh, I, I look at his 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 stats here. Uh, I look at his name because he deserves it. I um, mean, for what this team has put him through. I mean, 40 carries in this game for 204 yards, two touchdowns. Not usually the starter. I think the starter is currently out because probably injured because they gave him about 57 carries a game. It seems like that's just what Minnesota does. PJ Fleck does not give half a fuck about those kids' knees. I uh, did it with Mo Ibrahim. Did it here with Mr. Nubbin in this one. Did it with whoever the running back was previously before this. Just, yeah. Uh, if you're a, a Minnesota running back, you're going to get a lot of reps. I'll just put it to you that way. You're going to get a whole lot of reps there. Uh, Minnesota gets the win, though. They are 5-3. and three. Still in the hunt in the Big Ten West because the Big Ten West is an absolute joke. We move on from there, though. Nebraska. Gets another big win this time over Purdue. 31 to 14 cashes another bet for us. Um, and don't look now, man, but after the way Nebraska started the season, they get dominated by Colorado. Um, they lose some embarrassing games off the bat. Um, don't look now. After losing to Michigan, going down to uh to two and three. 
They've reeled off three straight wins. They're five and three now. Um, currently tied for first in the Big Ten West, though there are four teams at three and two in conference play in the Big Ten West, and none of them are particularly good. Um, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, uh, uh, Wisconsin. Those are your four teams at the top of the uh, the West right now. Just you know, bleh, disgusting. I'm glad this is the last year that the Big Ten. Uh, East-West sort of divisional structure is going to be there. It's all just based, it's it's going to be like the Pac-12 going forward now, just all based off a of record after this year. So thank God, good riddance on that one. Um, But uh, yeah, Iowa, by the way, some big news coming out today. It seems like uh, Brian Ferentz um, either is going to be let go after this season or has stepped down as Iowa's offensive coordinator. So hey, you got some hope over there in Iowa. Maybe, maybe Kirk Ferentz will bring in an offensive coordinator worth half a, half a damn. That's not, you know, one of his sons or uh, close family members. Hey, Dan Enos, he's out there. He he's he just he's out of a job now. Was at Arkansas. You may remember him scoring three points versus a abysmal Mississippi State defense. Um, hey, he's still out there. If you want to run it back with another offensive coordinator who is dynamic like the old Brian Ferentz was, Dan Enos, he is. He's sitting there. He's just waiting for the call right now. Get Put him in, coach. Put him in. Um, that's besides the point. Nebraska, they have really been playing well. And uh, Matt Rule, and I will be alluding to Matt Rule later in, in relation to Mississippi State. You'll just have to wait and see how that uh, that all connects there. But, um, man, he, is, he has got the, these guys playing very, very well down the stretch. And this is what you – this is kind of what I expected to see. I didn't, want, I didn't really think that they were going to be dynamic in year one. I know Matt Rule is going to get this program rolling at some point, but in year one, all you want to see is improvement throughout the season. And from what Nebraska started the season as to what they are now eight games in, night and day. They have just improved week after week after week, and now they're playing some legitimately good football. 31-14, to the final score in this one. And they've got some opportunities to get some wins down the stretch as well. I mean, what do they got coming up? They've got... Uh, Michigan State, that should be a win. Maryland, they got them at home very easily. Excuse me, could win that one. Wisconsin, that's a toss-up. Iowa, another toss-up as well. They could very easily uh, win their next four games, finish the season at, uh, what would that be, 9-3? and three? Yeah, 9-3. and three. Very easily could could be in the cards. Nebraska could be in the Big Ten championship game if they win these next four games. It's everything is on the table for them right now, and better than I honestly expected uh, for Nebraska in year one under Matt Rule. Uh, there is a reason that they were so high on this guy coming in. He is, I mean, just one of the cream of the crop sort of uh, coaches in all of college football right now, and he's showing you why he's got that reputation. As one everywhere he has been, Nebraska will be no different. Mark my words, folks. Uh, what else we got up here? Uh, I think I skipped over the ACC, didn't I? I did. I did. Yes. Um, Virginia Tech. They're four and four now, three and one in ACC play. Uh, they have become the latest team to beat up on Syracuse, who has just fallen apart in uh, in ACC play. Now zero and four after starting the season zero and four, or starting the season four and zero. Jesus, that's words. They're hard sometimes. Um, so they're four and four now. Virginia Tech also four and four. They get the win thirty-eight to ten. Just Syracuse is just falling apart, falling apart when they got into conference play. Um, any other non-ranked matchups? Boston College gets a win over UConn, who is now one and seven. Bad UConn back to being the UConn we all know and love. Just bad football year after year. Boston College better than I expected them to be, man. 
five and three. They got a Castellanos at quarterback, so you know the ceiling is the roof there. Just you know, watch out for your loved ones when Castellanos starts playing well. We all know what that means. That we all know what that means. And I'll just leave it there. Oh yes, our favorite cult leader, Dabo Sweeney, is currently sporting the same record as your Mississippi State Bulldogs right now, four and four after losing on the road to a lackluster NC State team, twenty-four to seventeen. And Dabo's not getting fired after this season. Make no mistake about it. Uh, but the offense has been bad. The defense has not been good. Um, you're not abs just willingly shunning the transfer portal and you're not getting good enough recruits like you were before before georgia turned into the juggernaut that they were they were right neck and neck with alabama every single year when they had brent venables and in, in the crew over there uh now that georgia is you know the cream of the crop over there in the sec uh, clemson has been recruiting good but not great and they have not used the transfer portal to supplement because Dabo is uh morally against it whatever the hell that means so what you what you see is what you get now, and when you just willingly shun um, resources that all the other teams, all your competitors are using, four and four is what you get, man. And Cade Klubnik, two interceptions in this one, looking scarily similar to what DJ Uyunglele looked like before he transferred to Oregon State and started playing well. Maybe it's just the Dabo Sweeney Clemson offense that uh, has been the problem here. Um, this has certainly not been the Garrett Riley offense thus far. I'll tell you that much. Garrett Riley has had some dynamic units uh, before he got to Clemson. And uh, I think going to Clemson may have been the worst career decision he has made thus far, man, because I think I have no evidence to support this up. It's really just reckless speculation. But uh, the Clemson offense has looked the same year after year after year. And it seems like just no matter who the offensive coordinator they they bring in, they're learning the quote-unquote Clemson offense. So uh, it, I don't know where the Clemson goes from here. Maybe they, they hit a hard reset again with both, both coordinators and uh, go back to the drawing board once again. The, the choice here is simple for Dabo Sweeney, though. Either you go into the transfer portal and you start hitting it hard like all your other competitors in, the, uh, in your division, in your, uh, in your conference, or you stay mediocre for the rest of your days, and you just, you know, you look back fondly on those two national championships. You're never going to get them again, though, if you don't start using the resources that literally everyone else is using. And you can hate NIL all you want. You can hate the transfer portal all you want. It's the reality of the current college football landscape. And if you don't take advantage of it, the best you can hope for is average year after year after year, because that is that is what Clemson is without all those those resources at their disposal. They're just average, unfortunately, and that's just where you are with Clemson. I don't know where they go from here, though, but if they don't start adapting to the modern times, you're going to be seeing the same thing you saw this year, year after year after year going forward. Um, we move on. Uh, Miami sneaks one out versus Virginia. Virginia been very feisty over the last couple weeks. Beat North Carolina the previous week. Uh, takes Miami to overtime, but just doesn't quite get over the hump in this game. I think uh, I think Tyler Van Dyke was out for this one again. Uh, actually, no, Tyler Van Dyke was playing. He just played very badly. Two interceptions, zero touchdowns. Um, didn't lose a fumble, so that's positive. Positive on that front, I suppose. Um, just has not been an awesome year for Miami. They're just kind of meh. They're all right. It's a good good second year, good building year for Miami. Uh, a lot of really good true freshmen they brought in. They're recruiting their asses off right now once again, hitting the transfer portal hard as well, unlike uh, unlike Clemson. 
I'd say much brighter future for Miami than what we saw for uh, for Clemson going forward. That's that's for damn sure. Um, six and two. Probably not going to really compete for anything. They're kind of just hoping to piss in some Cheerios, make some make a solid bowl game at the end of this whole thing. But uh, you got to like the direction that the Miami program's going in right now. I like I like what Mario Cristobal is doing. Um, you know the, that Georgia Tech um, just coughing one up, notwithstanding. Um, they're they're playing well though. They're playing a, some really good football down there in Miami, and uh, this is a really good building year. They keep bringing in those recruits. They keep bringing in those big time transfers. One of these seasons, they're going to pop and be a, a top ten team uh, vying for playoff contention, especially in that twelve team playoff. Going to be vying for playoff contention, maybe even as soon as next year. I think they're just a year ahead of uh, of being in that sort of contention. We move on to the Pac-12, shall we? Um. Yeah, Washington State goes on to uh, goes on the road to Arizona State, and Washington State's just falling apart, man. I mean, Cam Ward played okay, three fifteen, one touchdown, but the defense is just a sieve. Arizona State gets their second win of the season, thirty eight to twenty seven. Kenny Dillingham got them playing better than they had been uh, to start. No, um, oh. Jaden Rashada, that's that's the quarterback that uh that they started out the season with. Uh, Trenton Borgett didn't play great in this game, um, but hey, 19 to 26, 274, 10 and a half yards per attempt. Didn't get a touchdown in this game, but did enough for them to win. Didn't shoot the team in the foot. Didn't uh, turn the ball over at all. And that's pretty much that's pretty much all you can ask for from Trenton Borgett, uh, not being uh, Jaden Rashada, who they thought would be in there this season, but you know went out with a shoulder injury. We all we all know that. We all remember that from earlier on in the season. Kenny Dillingham, you may remember, offensive coordinator for Oregon last season. I think he's going to get this these guys rolling. I think he, I mean, unlike what we saw from Mississippi State, which we're going to get to here in just a couple short minutes. Don't you worry. I've been teasing it for long enough. I'm going to unleash some emotions here in probably under five minutes. I would say. I'm gonna have to call him back here in, in just a second. He's he's calling me up now. Who is he? My, my my good buddy Chip. My good buddy Chip is the one calling. I'm gonna have to call him after I'm done with this recording though. So, um, that being said, Arizona State gets the win. Um, and you have seen good improvement here from from Arizona State down the stretch, even with having only two wins. So uh, from there, we move on to the SEC of it all. Um, Texas A&M snuck one out against South Carolina. Jimbo might just fuck around and save his job for another year because that buyout is just so goddamn prohibitive uh, for for what they. I mean, seventy five million dollars with the oil money they have, that's doable. But if you if you don't pay that, it's probably on the ideal side. I I do still think that Texas A and M goes in a different direction. If that job comes open, all hell breaks loose. That's the number one job opening in all of college football, quite frankly, because of the resources that are available to you. But Jimbo might be doing just enough to save him uh, one more season down there in College Station. Um, Shane Beamer, 2-6 and six on the season now. I think he probably survives another year. I think he bought himself enough leeway with how they finished last season uh, to take this down year in stride and then move forward from here. I would not be shocked at all if Shane Beamer found himself fired at the end of this season, though. It has just not been a good year uh, for South Carolina. The defense has been bad. The offense has not been much better. Um, just a bad, bad year for South Carolina. But in spite of the record, it feels like it has been a worse year for Mississippi State, who went on the road to Auburn, a game that we absolutely had to win. And I use the Royal We here because I am an alumni. I got some skin in the game. That's a game that they absolutely had to win. 
and uh, they just laid another egg. 27 to 13. Uh, turns out uh, Mississippi State's defense didn't got, get better over the bye week. Uh, they just they just played against Danny Oses' Arkansas offense, which has been terrible all year. Made Peyton Thorne look like the second coming of, uh, of Joe Montana. Jarquez Hunter broke off a big run at the end of the game. I mean, ended up with 144 yards. Uh, Xavion Thomas, lone bright spot in this in this entire thing. He went for 112 yards. And Mike uh, Mike Wright, inaccurate down the field. The offense looked sluggish as per usual. And um, you know what? Just going to come out and say it. I I hate this Mississippi State coaching staff right now, man. Um Usually I'm the type of guy to preach patience in this sort of situation. Like I am, I am staunchly generally like, Hey, give a coach three years to kind of instill a culture and, uh, you know, slowly improve over that time. Uh, and as long as I'm seeing improvement throughout seasons, I'm okay to stick with that. Like if we were four and four, but we were playing better than what we started the season plan with, I'd be okay with that. But the fact of the matter is we have had the same team week after week after week. It's been an offense that can't score any points that plays the most tear the tear jerkingly boring style in all of the land. Uh, a defense that can't stop shit with Zach Arnett. Supposedly that's the cornerstone of what this this whole program was supposed to be built on was strong defense, strong running game. Can't defend to save their lives. Can't score points to save their lives. No matter who you put in at quarterback, everything has been terrible, and you've seen zero improvement throughout the season. And with what they have on the defensive side of the ball, especially with Buki Watson and with Jet Johnson, uh, the two top tacklers in all of the SEC right now, uh, a solid front seven, a talented team, quite frankly, on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, a young secondary, but even with the with the holes that they've got, no excuse for them to be as bad as they are on defense, and it's not gotten better all year, pretty much. I think that Mississippi State should go in a different direction after this season. I don't think Zach Arnett has been good enough at all. And I was more than happy, especially with how uh, Mike Leach tra- tra- tragically passing away. Uh, Zach Arnett showed some promise as the defensive coordinator. All right, you're, we're in a tough situation. Uh, a, a sudden loss there. I mean, can't really perform a real coaching search in that situation. Strip off the interim tag. Let's see what, what we got with Zach Arnett. Maybe he shows us something and we got a, a, a coach for the, the future going forward. He's recruited very well. He has brought guys in there that I think would, you know, fit very well in the program going forward. Fact of the matter is, I just do not think he has it as a head coach right now. Maybe he will in the future. Maybe like five, ten years down the road, he can improve a little bit more, get a little bit better at running a program. But the fact of the matter is, like I said, this team has been the same exact shit product week after week after week, and I'm done with it. Absolutely done with it. I think we need to move in another direction. Clean slate. Go after a Lance Leipold. Go after a John Smith over there with with Oregon. Uh, Chris Kleiman uh, over with Kansas State's done a hell of a job. Uh, really, any head coach with a proven track record, I need them in the building yesterday. At this point, I'm I'm absolutely done with this Mississippi State team right now. Um, I don't know if they get another win for the rest of the season outside of Southern Miss, quite frankly. And even then. Who knows with Southern Miss? They've been bad this year, but so has Mississippi State. And Mississippi State has had a, a, 
uh, a bad habit of making FCS quarterbacks uh, look like the second coming of Joe Montana. Third string FCS quarterbacks even with Western Michigan uh, coming in and lighting things up against Mississippi State. I'm done. I'm done with this coaching staff bringing someone new at this point. And it's, that's saying something if I'm going there because I thought Joe Moorhead should have gotten a year three, quite frankly, and he got fired after year two because of culture issues. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this, quite frankly. We need a, a fresh start there uh, for Mississippi State. We gave it a run, gave it a shot, and I was okay with giving it a shot, but I think we got all the answers we need with Zach Arnett. This is not going to work. You can give it a year or two. I don't see it being a whole lot different from year one, and all you're going to do is tank your recruiting classes. Uh, everyone's going to hop in the transfer portal. Um, if we want to stem the bleeding, I think the only way you do that is you bring in a high-quality, respected guy uh, like a Lance Leipold, like a John Smith, hell, like even a Jed Fish possibly uh, from Arizona, someone with a proven track record who can right the ship. Zach Arnett is simply not that right now, and I just uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Rant over, though. Let's get a look forward to next week in the college football landscape right now. We'll start off with the top 25 man matchups. It is a dandy, folks. It absolute fire, fire matchups this week. Well, first off, underrated matchup, we got Ohio State versus Rutgers. I think Ohio State probably wins by a lot, but Rutgers... Quietly a 6-2 team coming off of a bye. Could make some waves here uh, versus Ohio State. Um, I don't expect them to, but anything can happen, especially with Ohio State not having a great offense in, uh, in, this, uh, in, in this season. Anything could happen there, but we move on from that point. Uh, Kansas State going into Texas. Sneak, I mean, not even really sneaky. Texas is only favored by four in this one. And I think, uh, I mean, if you're... Going into shows, looking for like upset picks of the week. Kansas State's probably going to be the upset pick of the week in a lot of those shows that you go into. I think this is going to be an absolute just physical matchup between Kansas State and Texas. Two teams that really want to run the ball and play behind their defense. And I think it's going to be that. That's that's going to be what sets the tone for this game. I think Malik Murphy's going to have to step up big time if Texas wants to win this one. And Kansas State's firing on all cylinders right now. I am looking forward to following that one as I toil away at work, as I usually do on Saturdays. I digress, though. Uh, Texas A&M got a tough road game versus Ole Miss this week. Ole Miss only favored by three. Um, I'd still probably favor Ole Miss in that one. I just don't have a whole lot of faith in Texas A&M away from their uh, their home field. Um, Notre Dame is playing Clemson. Notre Dame only favored by three, by the way. I would actually lean Notre Dame there, and I might earmark that one for a bet uh, on the Thursday episode. Um, haven't really looked at the slate, though, as per usual, so staying away from that for now. Um, Tennessee is hosting UConn. UConn, prepare for pain. That's all i got to say about that. Utah hosting Arizona State. Sneaky, sneaky spot. Arizona State's been playing very, very well, and Utah... Uh, coming off of that Oregon game, um, now I'm not even really going to say a sneaky spot anymore because Utah has won 29 of their last 31 games at home, and Arizona State is a 2-6 and six team. I think Utah is probably going to take care of business in this one. They're favored by 11 for a reason. I would expect them, especially with Kyle Whittingham and that head coach, one of the best head coaches in the entire land right now, uh, to come out there firing on all cylinders. Um, we got an armed forces matchup here. Army is going on the road to Air Force. Um, Air Force favored by 18 and a half. That makes a lot of sense. Over under is 32 and a half. Also makes a lot of sense. Going to be a whole lot of running in that one. Uh, Air Force ranked number 17 right now. Keep an eye on them. Still undefeated on the season. Um, Missouri. 
Talked about this briefly before they're going on the road to UGA. UGA favored by 16 right now, and I'm staying the hell away from that one because I saw I just saw Georgia absolutely eviscerate Florida last week. And I know Missouri's coming off of a bye week. I know they are a very well-coached ball club, but I... I'm, I'm, I have a bad feeling about this one for Missouri. I just don't think their talent level is on the same plane, quite frankly. Um, Florida State playing against Pittsburgh, nothing to write home about there. They should probably win that one with relative ease, but Pat Narduzzi is Pat Narduzzi. He'll pull one right out of his ass every once in a while, and this might be one of those games. Already did against Louisville once this year. Could possibly do against Florida State. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Penn State is going to Maryland. And uh, looks like it could be a get-right game for Penn State in this one. I mean, favored by ten and a half. Maryland, a team that has been reeling since losing to Ohio State, so that could be could be a good spot for Penn State in this one. I think they probably end up winning. Probably end up winning comfortably at that. Kind of a tune-up game before you get into the uh, uh, the Michigan game later on. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam game. I mean, Oklahoma is favored by six in this one. I may end up uh, betting Oklahoma State. That being said, I think the smart bet in this one is probably the over. Uh, the line is currently at 62, and I would expect them to surpass that. So keep an eye on that. Probably going to be betting on this game in some way, shape, or form, if I had to guess. That last last chapter of this Bedlam game going to be an absolute dandy in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Cannot wait uh, to follow that one. Uh, Virginia Tech going to Louisville. Sneaky, sneaky spot for Louisville, but being at home, I expect them to take care of business versus a hot Virginia Tech team. Uh, Tulane is going on the road to East Carolina. East Carolina is bad. Tulane should probably take care of business there. Um, James Madison got a tough uh, road test this week going against 6-2 and two Georgia State. Uh, Sunbelt, really low-key, a very, very solid conference over there. Um, Georgia State running back uh, Carroll already has a 1,000 yards on the season, 12 touchdowns as well. It could be a tough physical matchup there for the Dukes of uh, JMU. Um, trying to go 9-0. We'll have to see how it goes there. JMU favored by 5.5, probably staying away from that one. Um, Oregon hosting Cal, favored by 24, probably staying away from that one because Cal's a little bit frisky, but Oregon really firing on all cylinders right now, currently ranked number six in the country at the moment. Uh, Kansas ranked once again. They are playing Iowa State in Ames. This could be a letdown spot for Kansas State, and uh, Vegas is all over this one. They got Iowa State minus two and a half. Tough, tough place to go into and win in Ames, Iowa. Uh, Kansas is going to have a dogfight on their hands. I think that's going to be a dandy of a game in the 7 p.m. time slot on ESPN. Uh, Michigan is hosting Purdue, and uh, Michigan favored by 32 and a half. I, I may bet them to cover. They have just been absolutely eviscerating teams. Uh, Washington, still somehow at five. I, I, they're undefeated, so whatever. I guess they earned it. Uh, they're playing against the USC this week. The over-under is a robust uh, 76 points. And I, I might bet that one just because it's a fun over and neither of these defenses are good. Both these quarterbacks are going to be first-round picks. So that, that's going to be a fun matchup. Might be the funnest matchup of the week. Not quite that 10 p.m. Uh, Pac-12 after dark time slot, but it's going to have all the Pac-12 after dark vibes, man. There's a reason that over-under is set at 76 right now. Um, Washington, USC, that should be a dandy, a dandy of a game, uh, assuming USC just doesn't get blown out of the water by Washington coming up here. Um, 
probably the game of the week, I would say. I think I think uh, game day is at this one. Uh, number 13, LSU, going on the road to Tuscaloosa to face on Alab- take on Alabama. Jesus Christ. Um, number 13 team versus the number 8 team in the country, Alabama, if they win this one. Firmly in the playoff discussion uh, going forward. Obviously, uh, a shoe in for the uh, for the um, conference championship game. My brain is is failing on me at this point. Alabama favored by three. That should just be a dandy of a matchup. Uh, they're facing the biggest offense or defensive test that they have faced all year. Going up against this uh, this vaunted LSU offense. Jaden Daniels playing better than. Any quarterback in the entire country right now for my money. 25 touchdowns through the air and three interceptions to boot. I think Jaden Daniels is playing like a possible first-round pick quarterback right now. He has been just that spectacular this year. He has been really, really good uh, so far. Uh, That should be a fun one to watch. Oregon State playing Colorado. Um, Colorado could have a chance to bounce back in this one. Oregon State's defense, not really that great. Uh, Colorado, solid offense when they're playing against bad defenses. So this could end up being a, a track meet, a bit of a shootout here. Oregon State looking to bounce back after they lose to Arizona last week, though. So have to wait and see on that one. I think that could be a fun, fun Pac-12 after dark game. Another possible fun, fun after park, Pac-12 after dark game. I think we'd be a little bit more expected for it to be a fun Pac-12 after dark game. is number 20 UCLA going on the road to a hot Arizona team who uh, Noah Fafita has stepped in and done wonders there at quarterback. 10.30 p.m. time slot. This just says chaos all over it. And um, UCLA, not necessarily a team this year that's going to get into a whole lot of um, track meets, usually. But wouldn't be surprised if some weird, weird shit happens in this one. That 10.30 p.m. Uh, Pac-12 game always seems to have something happen. So I'm looking forward to that one. Should be a really fun close matchup to close out the day um, in the Pac-12. Um, great matchups in the Pac-12. What else is new over there? Uh, let's see if there's any uh, non-ranked matchups that I missed. Um... BC's going to Syracuse. Wake Forest going to Duke. That could be an interesting one there. Um, Campbell playing. Ah, who, who cares on that one? Uh, Miami going to NC State. That could be an interesting one. I think Miami probably wins and covers in that one, but wouldn't be shocked at all if NC State pulled one straight out of their keister in that game. Uh, once again, that'll be one to watch there, uh, 8 p.m., uh, though you're not going to be able to watch it because it's on ACC Network, so I digress from there. Uh, what else we got? What else we got here? Uh, UCF playing Cincinnati. Eh, well, I'll pass. Uh, BYU playing West Virginia. Probably pass on that one too. West Virginia. Probably. I, I feel good about West Virginia. Probably covering that one. Uh, got anything in the Big Ten? Wisconsin, Indiana. Good bounce back, back bounce back spot for Wisconsin. On uh, Nebraska versus Michigan State. Could Nebraska very, very easily and should probably be. At um at six and zero or six and three after this one, only favored by three in this one, and um I'm not gonna make it official just yet, but that's probably gonna be a bet. Nebraska minus three versus Michigan State. That might be the easiest money on the board all week right now. You will be hearing about that one later. I just gotta make sure I find uh, the best number on the board before I make it official. But that's that's. That's just handing out money right there. I'm mean, bet responsibly. Only bet what you can afford to lose because there's always a possibility that Nebraska comes out and loses this one. But minus three is just not enough points for Nebraska against Michigan State. Quite frankly, I would probably be betting on that one. Uh, Illinois and Minnesota. That could be an absolute rock fight. 
Iowa Northwestern, uh, another historically low over-under at 31 uh, over-under. Um, yeah, and that's it for the Big Ten. I think pretty much every matchup in the Pac-12 is ranked this week, outside of Stanford-Washington State, but that's a sad matchup. We'll just let them be sad in peace. That's that's the best thing we can do for them. They're on the Pac-12 network anyway, so no one's going to see them. It's okay. Um, what else we got? Uh, Arkansas-Florida. Florida at home minus six. I might I might make that a bet as well. Arkansas is just terrible, just a bad bad team. Um, Jacksonville State um, on the road at South Carolina. South Carolina is favored by fifteen and a half in this one. And um, man, Jacksonville State. I don't know anything about them. They're seven and two this season. They're playing very very well. Um, I just feel like that's too many points for South Carolina. I might not make an official pick. But uh, that, that feels like one that you should consider at home with your own hard-earned money. I might consider it myself with my own hard-earned money. Um, Auburn playing Vandy. Kentucky going into a pop probable win at Mississippi State. Um, only favored by three and a half. I'm not betting the spread in that one, but if you're a betting person, just hammer Kentucky at minus three and a half. There is... There's no way in hell I feel like that they're not going to win by multiple, multiple touchdowns. I I am so low on Mississippi State, it's depressing at this point. But there you have it. On that note, let's uh, let's end this thing off, man. Only a robust uh, hour 32. We kept it relatively, uh, relatively reasonable here for that one. So that's all, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. We do this thing twice a week. College football on Tuesdays, NFL on Thursdays. If you like the show, go ahead, subscribe wherever you're listening to it, be it YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, any any of those places. Just go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Uh, maybe share it as well if you're feeling frisky. Help me grow this bad boy a little bit. If you're trying to contact the show, uh, probably shoot me an email, a, either an email or a DM. Uh, if you're trying to DM me, just go to Twitter at Caleb Verzak, links down in the description so you don't have to spell my, my fucked up Eastern Block name. Go ahead, hit follow, uh, DM me, whatever you want to do, add something to the show. If you want to email me instead, don't know why, but more power to you. Um, it's uh, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That'll also be in the description as well. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to uh, Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got no clue what I am talking about. That being said, one thing I learned this week... The longest canal in the world is the Great Canal in China that connects the Yangtze River to Beijing. It stretches over 1,100 miles, the longest man-made waterway in the entire world. There you go, folks. You learn something new every day. See y'all on Thursday for a mildly depressing NFL episode as a Vikings fan. We're just going to leave that there and uh, hopefully feel better by then. See y'all.